down to the next side. We will survive. It is time to put in this. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogging is specialist. Predatory survivalist. Spitting heaven's fight above his lips. Burn a slave driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4.6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge, but we as a people We'll turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Lord, I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your hosts, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com which is the homepage, and listen to the live stream at that location. You can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to abitumi.com. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I.com forward slash time for an awakening. Broadcast out of Ghana and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And then a TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you had the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's Time for an Awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook and that Facebook search engine. Just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. They always seem to see content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And Time for an Awakening media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Uh, various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So it can make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight, straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.06 here in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. And our scheduled guest this evening, activist, organizer, and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force, Dr. Reverend Amos C. Brown, will be joining us in discussion this evening. And we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. 
Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American-owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship 
of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening at 7-11. We're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening, broadcasting out of Philadelphia. And before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Uh, <clears throat> you know, today uh, I thought Adunde was going to stop, Elliot, because of the rain. But, you know, went out there this morning and uh, all the vendors were setting up and by the time I left, the people were coming in. So the uh, the the festivities for some have have begun for the day. It's two years that it hadn't, um, you know, then they hadn't uh, occurred out of its forty seven years of history. But one day we'll get to talk about that. I have some thoughts about that. But I'm I'm interested in in um, definitely um, speaking with Brother um, R- Reverend Brown about the interim report about reparations in California, about the process f- from the perspective of um, political education and um, political organizing as it relates to um, reparations or our repair for the devastation of a people here in North America. Um, what I might do is I'll take a break or maybe you, uh, you can talk about the, uh, uh, what you, your feelings on the doom day because, uh, Reverend Brown was up here, but when we, we just dropped his call, just dropped. So I got to right. kind of search and, and get him back up here. But, uh, uh, what we'll do in the interim, um, yeah, your thoughts, Richard, we'll take a brief break and, uh, I can get him back, his call back up here. Um, call us, hold on. Uh, if you're uh, streaming with us on the, the, the different uh, streaming sites, uh, just stick around with us. We're going to get uh, our guests back up here. I, uh, little technical issues. I think it's called dropped. I'm going to take a brief break, and when we come back, uh, hopefully we'll have our guests with us uh, tonight, activist organizing vice chair of the California Reparations Committee. Reverend Dr. Raymond C. Brown. We'll be right back. Listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Uh, looks like we don't have to take a break right now. Uh, Look like we have our guest that has gotten back. Reverend Brown, are you there? I'm right here. I hear you loud and clear, sir. 
Glad to have you with us, activist organizer and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force, uh, Dr. Raymond, uh, Dr. Amos C. Brown is with us. Dr. Brown, um, before I get you to talk about uh, the commission itself, uh, what what our brothers and sisters uh, have accomplished out there in California, I want you to talk about the organizing part of it in the beginning. You as a pastor and an organizer to bring our people to accomplish this task that was done. And the, the reason I'm saying that is I'm always in awe when we have activists and organizers on this program because it's a special gift from the Almighty, as far as I'm concerned, to be able to organize our people in the state that we're in in this country and have been in since we've been here. The mental trauma that our people have suffered in this system that was created by Europeans, the centuries of enslavement, the over 100 years of Jim Crow, the constant racial oppression that, that is constantly going on even to this day, has damaged our people. And trying to organize our people through all of that, the, the self-doubt that our people have in themselves to a certain degree, the fear that's there, the low self-esteem that we can't do anything together, and sometimes the self-hate, and also the constant uh, interference from outside individuals in the affairs of black people. It, it really is a tough task trying to organize our people through all of that. And I want to talk to you in the beginning, before we get into other things, about the task and what it took to organize our people to complete what you have done. I, I see from uh, different reports that uh, the task force was established back in 2020, but I know the genesis of this idea was long before that. To talk about what it took to organize our people to focus in on get and getting this job done. It took the right black church leadership to stand for the people. This is not the first time. Back in January the twelfth, eighteen hundred and sixty-five, General Sherman and Secretary of War Staten marched down to Atlanta, burned down Atlanta because the Confederacy would not give up. On that trek from Atlanta to Savannah, there were many of our ancestors who followed the Union Army. And it was General Sherman, who asked Secretary of War Staten, what are we going to do with these ex-enslaved persons who are following us? They don't have any place to stay. Food is not available for them. They don't have clothes to wear. What are we going to do? Secretary of War Staten said to him, Wait till we get to Savannah. When we get there, we will call a meeting with the black preachers, for they are the leaders of the people. 
And I repeat, it was on January the 12th, 1865, that these 20 black preachers met in the room of General Sherman and the Secretary of War Stanton. General Sherman asked the spokesperson, Reverend Garrison Frazier, a Baptist preacher, what do you feel the Union owes your people? Oh man, Frazier spoke up and said, General, I can't speak for everybody. But for me and my house, I feel that we deserve having 40 acres and a mule so we will be able to take care of our families and develop our communities. And next, General Sherman asked Reverend Frazier, do you want to live amongst the whites or do you want to stay to yourself? The old man again speaks up and says, well, General, I can't speak for everyone. But as for me and my house, I'd rather stay to myself. For it's going to be a long, long time before we are accepted as being human and respected in this nation. Well, I cite all this history to say, that's when it began following that bitter civil war. When General Sherman issued from the words of Reverend Frazier, a plan for Fort Acres and the Mule. That was a form of reparations for our people. However, unfortunately, President Lincoln was assassinated on April the 15th, 1865. And upon the assassination, who became president? Andrew Johnson from Tennessee, Nashville. And he was the man who sought to kill, kill that expression of reparations, which later also became Freedmen's Bureau. Howard University was one of those institutions also that was developed through Freedmen's Bureau. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Johnson almost was uh, at the point of losing his seat as president. He lost by one vote from being impeached. That is, he was kept from being impeached by one vote. And after Freedmen's Bureau was almost destroyed and the plan for Bill Order number 15 jeopardized, we were thrown into that system of the peonage system of sharecropping. And that's what brought on our challenge to receive reparations 
in this nation. Fast forward to our time. Thanks to Dr. Shirley Weber, who was a member of the State Assembly and is now our Secretary of State. This lady introduced the legislation for reparations for Blacks in California. And if Governor Newsom signed it into law, and I am privileged and humbled to say that I have the honor of serving as vice chair of that reparations task force. Reverend Brown, before I pass the mic to, to Brother Richard, uh, l- let's because you kind of took us there, and, and, and I love when uh, I love history, and I love to talk about our experiences here in this country. Let's talk about California itself, because uh, what they teach in the schools is that you had a certain amount of free states, and you had slave states where our ancestors was in bondage. Uh, California came in, I think, around 1850 as a free state. Uh, but that, that was wasn't true. Freedom. That was just freedom on, on, on paper. Exactly. That wasn't true. By, go ahead. Go ahead. But California had alliances who were complicit with the slaveocracy of the South. Okay. And the first governor of this state Peter Burnett was an arch racist and supported the enslavement of our ancestors. Just think about it. The first governor, who also was from Nashville, Tennessee, and led the first wagon train westward in 1843. But he was such a mean, evil racist that even when he got up to the territory of Oregon, and settled down to build a town, Germantown. What was one of the first ordinances that he established? It was known as the Peter Burnett Flogging Law, which stipulated no mulattoes or blacks would be permitted to live in this town. If they are caught here, they will be beaten every six months until they leave town. And that law stayed on the books of the territory of Oregon, which later became a state, until 1926. But in in 1848, when gold was found here in California, he left there, led another wagon train, and he came down to Sacramento, got involved in politics and evolved to become the governor. But he was working to make California a slave state. In fact, no blacks, according to his initiative, was to settle in California at all. Now, that goes back to 1850. Even though on paper, we were admitted to the Union as a free state. But the leadership of this state, the body politic, 
was complicit with the South. And even blacks in 1857 could not serve on juries, couldn't get housing, couldn't get employment. So there's no need for us to say there's no need for reparations because we were not in practice a land where there was actual enslavement of our ancestors, planting, chopping, and picking cotton in the South. For this whole nation was complicit in this evil system. The textile industry up in New England, even uh, Southern Baptist Seminary, there in Nashville, Tennessee, Brother Louisville, Kentucky, excuse me, was complicit. They sold slaves to build that school. And the record reveals that the whole nation was guilty. So we need not go there and say, we don't need reparations in California because it was not officially on paper a slave state. But the records also shows that there was subsequent policies, even after the Civil War was over, that denied Blacks ownership of land and even coming forward to 1908, a Black Baptist preacher named Alan Allensworth sought to replicate Tuskegee Institute down near Bakersfield, where he was planning on building Black community and an institution of learning. But what happened? White folks, the body politic, poisoned the water of the town. They even redirected the railroad so that people were not able to easily get to Allensworth. So therein is another instance in which the political system, the system was mean to black people and made every effort to deny us equality of opportunity and that basic right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, Brother Richard, jump in here because, uh, um, Reverend Brown went there when he started talking about uh, uh, Sherman and what happened down there with our ancestors. So it, <laughs> I know that's right down your alley, Richard. But go ahead, jump on in, Richard. You know, I, you know, and I, and I've, I've got to uh, listen to Reverend Brown a couple of times um, during the commission hearings. So first, I want to also um, congratulate you and the commission for taking on this task. And I also think it's important as I um, briefly, and I appreciate sending the um, interim report that I suggest that everyone read it from every state, because I think that it's important to be able to understand what is being done in California in relationship to putting together what you raised. The thing that struck me, and and the history part is one thing, but the thing that struck me in in the report as we deal with the politics of reparation is this, um, and it's a, just a phrase, the badges and incidents of slavery. 
And 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 it, when I seen that, and I seen it a couple of times in the report, and I have to ask you, uh, Reverend Brown, I, and maybe it might be rhetorical, is the badges and incidents of slavery still pronounced within America in general, through all the states, and in California specifically? Would you say? Yes. Right now they're trying to disenfranchise us with all of these voter suppression laws. And even though Mr. Obama became president at a point when our nation was at low ebb, we were in two wars, and the economic system was messed up, and, and thanks to his character, to his ability and skill, he was elected president. But what happened? The very day that his inauguration was held, Mitch McConnell and his menons were holding a meeting to try and make Mr. Obama a one-term president. And that Republican Party, under his leadership, sought to kill every measure that would have given us our just due our entitled reparations through legislation and special programs. So uh, let's, let's make it very plain. The struggle has continued. This is still a racist country. And we still have situations like, for instance, in San Francisco alone, the medium income for capital for black people it's $35,000 a year in San Francisco, where you have all these billionaires here. In San Francisco, where supposedly we are progressive and liberal. The medium income, I would repeat for your audience, is $35,000 a year. But for Asians and Latinos, it's between seventy-five dollars to $80,000 a year. And for whites, it's $110,000 a year. This glaring disparity says racism is still alive and blocks are being thrown in our way to keep us from having full rights, privileges, and opportunities as members of this citizenry of the United States of America. And you know, uh, uh, Reverend, the, the reason I'm 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 uh, uh, probably be redundant, but I want to emphasize to the Time for Awakening listening audience um, what Elliot um, started with in relationship to the work that you're doing. It's that that is the organizing work. That this is not no easy task in this kind of country. Um, and with this, which makes me again raise the question: Looking as the commission moves to. Um, Inform, and I think I've seen the um, a part of the report said that the purpose of the commission is to um, to to help to support the the legislators in California as they move towards um, instituting whatever the reparations um, outcomes will be. But the question I came from an organ come to my mind from an organizing perspective, looking at you looking at California and looking at the politics and the reason why we have to be diligent about the organizing. Um, in the in a part of the report is in a term of of in terms that are used, and one of the terms is white supremacy, which makes me ask the question: 
Is California legislation, you gave the history as far as early California political operatives, is California legislators any less uh, white supremacist today than they were at 1850? Well, that will be determined on how they respond. Uh Uh-oh. We've done diligence to do our homework. We have done our duty of presenting the facts and nothing but the facts. And no one has been able to dispute the findings in this document, this 500-page document. But it remains to be seen whether the members of the Assembly have the moral fiber, have the sense of justice and decency that they will jump on it and do what other American responses have been for a people who were wronged. We had a Marshall Plan. Europe was messed up with a war. Gave money for that. Uh, We've had reparations for the Japanese when we put their people in those camps. And even when the West was being settled, you had the homestead program. Mm -hmm. Whites got land and it was dirt cheap. So we we done it for others. Was good for the goose is good for the gander. And black people have been wronged. We were even listed. I'm going to the nation because California is also a part of the nation. But we were considered to be three fifths human. We were segregated for 96 years on the Supreme Court edict rule, separate but equal. We know none of these schools across that period of time happened to be equal at all. It was separate. And black people got inferior equipment. Teachers' salaries were not the same as whites. Record speaks, I repeat again, that America has always said to black people, if you black, you get back. If you're black, we will overlook you. If you're black, you don't deserve to have equality of opportunity to prove that you can excel the same as others. Another another question comes to my mind, and and I'm um, Elliot. When I turn it back over to you, you know the thing that um, Reverend Brown brought up was having the right black church leadership. And I, I think that that's not just the right black church, but the right leadership, leadership. period mm-hmm. that we need to have. So I, I agree with that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Reverend Brown, you, um, in listening, you were always raising the question of who is entitled in the state of California. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is that an important the delineation question of who's entitled to repair um, from the state for the um, um, badges and incidents of slavery. Is that important to teether out 
in California because I think it affects the rest of the nation. Yes. We have to look at the scene of the crime, the ground zero of the harm. And we got to finally look at how this legal system is established in this nation. You have to present evidence. You have to present facts. And then you have laws in California. That law that was so unfortunate, 209. You cannot have measures that are inaugurated or initiated based on race. And I feel that the most sensible, logical, safe way for us to get reparations is to make it a programmatic people's reparation whose uh, legacy is established in the state of California and their ancestors were victims of harm, of hurt, because of public policy measures that were adopted by this state and by this city of San Francisco. Just look at these communities where our black enclaves have been destroyed. Even the 14 streets in black in Washington, D.C., even Sweet Auburn Avenue in Atlanta, Georgia. Barry Street in Jackson, Mississippi, my hometown. There's South Philadelphia. Where I am. In Pennsylvania. <laughs> Harlem, New York. And in San Francisco, the Fillmore. These communities where we could have had thriving, jumping, successful black communities were destroyed by public policy, by gentrification that was designed to push us back. So that's why we have to look, I feel, from a legal, practical standpoint of saying that basing our legislation on lineage as it was originally inaugurated by Dr. Shepard Shirley, excuse me, Shirley Weber is where we must stay. And if after going through this process, there's still more work to be done based on evidence, get a movement going and do that. I don't think we can take care of everybody in the diaspora. You see England, Belgium, Spain, <clears throat> excuse me, Spain, France, Portugal, they were also guilty of, of putting our ancestors in states of enslavement. So we have to be practical, we have to be strategic, and we have to be wise if we're going to have some increments of reparations. And shopping is better than nothing. You know what, Elliot? Um, 
one thing that, uh, well, uh, Reverend Brown, I, I appreciate the response that you gave. And I'm interested in what what is the, you know, the process for the commission as it moves forward. But Elliot, um, as we are dealing with this, you know, um, centering the whole question of repair, again, I'm asking um, us for the, in a time for awakening audience to realize that this organizing effort is on the ground. And I think I've seen something in the Bay Area where it had assembled, I think that was for Memorial Day. It had the people, not just what the commission did in having um, expert witnesses speak to, but the community itself was speaking to. And I think that that process was um, really important. But uh, I'd like to know, Reverend Brown, what is the, um, the the extent of the commission from this point on now that the interim? Oh, oh, we, will, we will have a series of, of uh, hearing sessions, town hall meetings all over the state. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to make this thing a paralysis of an analysis. Mm-hmm. But we already know what the problem is. We know where the pain and the hurt is. We're concerned about spending more time that remains with practical plans that will say we're doing something about the harm. We are seeking to bring healing through these measures. Mm. We Basically, if we don't become well as a people, we won't even be around. Take advantage of any money mm. or education. And black people are the sickest in this nation. Mm. So our first effort, in my estimation, should be a comprehensive plan in the state of California and in San Francisco to make sure that our health wraparound services are provided in the hood. That we get more professional, deal with physical and mental health and environmental health needs. That's that's very basic. Nutrition. We have been eating right. And definitely during the days of enslavement, we received a lot of uh, toxic food that wasn't good for our system. That's why we have a greater incidence of hypertension because of all of that pork, all that salt and stuff that we ate. So health should be number one. Number two, education. You cannot keep a society secure and together if you got a lot of ignorant people. I don't say the disparities, but it is a fact. Yes. Good book does say, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. Of a lack of knowledge. And many of our young people are not reading enough. Even their elders don't read. But Jesus was literate. Jesus well versed in gaining wisdom. The Bible said he grew in in, in knowledge, wisdom and love and favor toward God and humankind. So our schools have got to be improved, and our churches and our community groups need to be about working overtime to make sure that our people have the right information. Benjamin Eliza Mays often said to the students at Morehouse, if you can't think for yourself, someone else will do your thinking for you. 
And whoever does your thinking for you will be your master and you their slave. But a free, open-minded, informed group of black folk can do wonders because we will know not only the general things about how to succeed in life, but also how to deal with the enemy. Nelson Mandela, Walter Sisulu in South Africa, they were learned men. And they didn't just didn't emote or react. And I think we got to have more W.B. Du Bois. Mary Church Terrells, Mary McLeod Bethune. Uh, when we don't know and can't think and plan and strategize for ourselves, we end up being under crooked leadership. And some instances, it moves to the point of where we're about to go as a nation, as a fascist state. One somebody wrote a book, Closing of the American Mind, some years ago. Bloom. Check our school systems out. And check out America in general. We are not an enlightened nation. We've been following those who have games to play. Keep the poor and the marginalized down. And then we need to look at economic empowerment. You see, we got our 40 acres of mule in 1865. We would have had a deep, solid economic base. But we were economically deprived. So we need to get our Black business people, our Black entrepreneurs together in our communities and give them the tools to have sustainability and to keep their businesses going so that they can turn that money over in our communities. Somebody says dollar, you know, stays in our community only about an hour. Other communities, you know, weeks and months. Y'all know the the, the record. Mm-hmm. We do not make the dollar work for us amongst us. And next we need to restore these black watering holes, enclaves of celebrating our history and our heritage. Some time ago, the New York Times did a special on blacks are made to feel lonely in San Francisco. And even psychiatrists remind us that when an individual or a group happens to be isolated and are not seen, so to speak, it is psychologically debilitating and destructive. So if other folks can have their Chinatowns, they can have their Japantowns, white folks got most of these financial districts, 
Latinos got out here in San Francisco, the mission. They have a sense of connectedness and group identity. Mm-hmm. No, we don't need to stay to ourselves. We got to deal with the world community. But there ought to be a respect for our worth and dignity as a people. If for no more than to dispel these uh, bigoted, biased assumptions about black folks that we can't learn, that we are immoral, that we are destructive, that we are uh, violent and kill each other. And every time they come up with the idea of of saying, y'all need to look at yourselves because Chicago is doing this, shooting this and that, I remind them of the fact that William Golding wrote that little book, Lord of the Flies, and also a movie was made. Was the basic thing, and those British white boys were on that plane that crashed in the South Pacific. Only boys survived, but the pilots were killed, and they crashed on that island. And the point is, the longest point of time of the longer that they stayed on that island without discipline, without resources, they devolved to becoming savages and destroying each other and worship the head of that pig. Well, that's what's happening in these violent communities. Hmm. The basic resources have been cut off. Consequently, Folks have evolved down to implosion and self-destruction. And that's been what many times the enemy has done to destroy us. I mentioned earlier about what happened down at Allensworth when this honorable black preacher tried to establish a community. But those, not all the white folks are evil, but those evil ones Pausing the water and rerouted the railroad track to keep people from coming to Allensworth. Mm. You know, Elliot, as I pass it over to you, something that uh, a couple of things that Reverend Brown said that is uh, for me to go along with the business community is that the security, just as you ended Reverend Brown about what these folks will do. And we need a security. And for me, it's not just guns and guns and, and boots on the ground, but intelligence gathering. Yes. And the other thing you mentioned that, you know, struck me is that we, you know, this report as I'm going through it um, and the history of California, that of what has happened, what, what, you know, the historical information in the report, should be in every young person. I'm not going to say public schools. For some reason, we always say things should go in the public school system, curriculum, or whatever. But it's our responsibility as this commission gathered this information to make sure that our our next generations in each state, and in California particularly, 
know this information. I don't know if you would agree with that, Reverend, you know, uh, Reverend Brown, but it's, it's our responsibility. And y'all had gathered, you know, all the information. So it should be on us. We don't have to say we don't we don't know where it is. And that gives us identity. That's all I have to say. And, and thank you um, for hopefully we'll come back. I'll be able to get checked because I this report and you, Reverend Brown, um, is inspiring a lot of questions out of me that uh, there is not enough time. Um, Elliot will kick me out of here if I try to <laughs> go too long. So, uh, no, man, no, I mean, that's let, what it's about. And if you got the time, Reverend remind, Brown, go ahead. Let me, let me remind you all, this is not the first time a definitive report has been done. Okay. It went back over 80 years ago. Connor Murdoch right. came up with that definitive report entitled The American Dilemma. Right. What happened? They wouldn't do anything about the report. We had the Kerner Commission report back in the 60s. And then after Rodney King incident in Los Angeles, what happened? You had that book entitled Two Nations, Hostile, Divided, and Unequal. Mm. By a scholar. Wasn't black either. You look at San Francisco locally, we've had the out-migration report. And we've had also the unfinished agenda report. All of these documents have underscored, documented the inequities of the people in charge, the white privileged folk in particular, decided they weren't going to do anything about it. There's something you said. You said there that uh, Elliot, the white privilege, and those who are supportive, but the white privilege and what they didn't do. And again, you know, you'll, you'll hear my one string why it becomes so important um, for us to become organized. And I'm glad that you said that the the next steps in the process for the commission is actually um, going out to town um, to hall meetings. Right. Yes, that's that, that's that's critical. Yep. Wow, Richard, I'm telling you, you know, oh, we're going to Reverend Brown, stay with us a little bit. We're going we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we want the people to get involved. Ask any questions you want at two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. We're talking with activist, organizer, and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force, Dr. Reverend. Raymond C. Brown is with us in conversation. Again, get involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. We'll be right back. Stay with us, Reverend Brown. All right. Listening to Time for an Awakening. 
time for an awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you black family, to join your interconnected you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. You all are really to be admired. And I want you to know that you have my moral support. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be coming back to see you. And we are going to be demanding when we go to Washington that something be done and done immediately about these conditions. At the very same time that America refused to give the Negro any land, through an act of Congress, Our government was giving away millions of acres of land in the West and the Midwest, which meant that it was willing to undergird its white peasants from Europe with an economic floor. But not only did they give the land, they built land-grant colleges with government money to teach them how to farm. Not only that, they provided county agents to further their expertise in farming. Not only that, They provided low interest rates in order that they could mechanize their farms. Not only that, today many of these people are receiving millions of dollars in federal subsidies not to farm, and they are the very people telling the black man that he ought to lift himself by his own bootstraps. This is what we are faced with. 
And this is a reality. Now, when we come to Washington in this campaign, we are coming to get our check. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to a group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. As somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. They made everything black ugly and evil. Look in your dictionary and see the synonyms of the word black. It's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white. It's always something pure, high and clean. But I want to get the language right tonight. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out, Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful. Time for an Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, Sunday edition is 8.05 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in conversation with activist, organizer, and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force. Reverend Dr. Amos C. Brown is with us in conversation. Uh, if you have a question, comment, anything, you can join us by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. And before we go back to the conversation uh, with Dr. Brown, um, I want to say that this document, this 500-page document that was produced by the brothers and sisters out there on the West Coast, is a can be used as a blueprint, a model of other states that need to do the same thing. The only thing we need out of the other states is sincere organizers and activists ready to get on the ground and put these things into fruition. Some of the things that might have to be changed is the experiences that our ancestors went through in the different states. Because a lot of these experiences that our ancestors stuff suffered is different 
in a lot of these states. It's the same oppression, but in maybe in a lot of the southern states, the atrocities were greater. But we can use these things as a blueprint and a model moving forward. And again, I want to thank uh, Reverend Brown and the folks on the panel for their work that they have done. They're taking this thing for town hall meetings right to the community, and that's what real leadership does. Again, I want to thank him for his work. R Reverend Brown, um, let me go back because I'm going to jump back and forth. In fact, well, let, let me do this. Let me see if uh, a caller 212 uh, kind of get involved in the conversation. Let's call, uh, go to 404 in Atlanta. 404. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, good show there, man. Hey, hey, Rep. Brown, man, I was just out there a month ago, man, out of Cali, man, but uh, I got to pay homage to that queen. Uh, you heard of uh, first queen of California named King, Queen Khalifa. You ever heard of Queen Khalifa? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yes, sir. That's for the listeners. They don't know that's the, that was the queen of California before these demons come out there and take it, man. So I was just out there and, uh, Hey, I loved it out there, man. Hell them know. I loved it out there, man, in L.A., man, because wasn't nobody fighting and arguing. Wasn't no crypts and no blood. That's a lie. Everybody was getting along in L.A., man. But uh, 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 I hope you sitting that. Just I don't know if my friend out there know you know, that on face newspaper, uh, Miss Gloria. I don't know if you know her in L.A., but uh, I'm gonna try to send her your information. So uh. Cause she out there, she on a newspaper out there, man. But uh, it, 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 and plus one more thing, uh, I remember they gave that beach back to that black couple, black couple that owned that beach out there. And, uh, I forget their name. You familiar with that story there? Out there. You still there, Rev? Still there? Yeah. What was your question? Uh, uh, it was a black family that owned some beach property out there a long time ago, and they gave it back to their ancestors, man. I don't know if y'all, if the Rev could expound on that. Yes, Governor Newsom gave leadership. Yes, sir. was given back to that family. Yes, sir. Because if you could explain to Elliot and them who that family was, because that name escaped me right now. But, uh, uh, uh. Okay, uh, but uh, but Ellie, yeah, I appreciate you praying that from Dr. King, man. That speech and uh, uh, Governor, I mean, Mr. Uh, Reverend Brown, man, and hey, you doing a good job, man. And don't forget about they they uh justified Miami, Florida too with the I ninety five, man, and folk lot of there in Miami. But uh, I I, I want to get your information so I can see that five hundred page report, man. Like Elliot say. Oh, yeah, one more thing. Y'all know, uh, Ellie, I told you that they, they gave reparations to Australia, to the Aborigines. I don't know if the Rev know that, but please let him know that Australia gave reparations to the indigenous Aboriginal people in Australia. Thank you for, thank oh, you, yes. Thank you for your contribution. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah, one more thing, Richard. I'm glad you picked up on my thing about intelligence, man, because that's what we got. Richard, I'm glad you catch it on, bro. I appreciate that, man. I love y'all, man. I'm going to listen let somebody talk, man. All right. Thanks for your contribution. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Reverend Brown, let me uh, dive back into a little history again. Um, and, and, and hopefully our listening audience can learn a few things. Um, I'm reading some of the information that you sent me. And you mentioned uh, in 1850, because we see that uh, – during that gold rush, a lot of uh, Europeans 
uh, rushed out to California, and a lot of them was from the South. And in those wagon trains, they had some of our ancestors. Uh, you mentioned about in 1850, at least 1,500 uh, enslaved African Africans were trafficked to the quote-unquote free state of California. You also mentioned that in 1852, California passed and enforced a fugitive slave law that was harsher than the federal law that was already on the books. Yes. And, and, and California didn't, didn't ratify the 14th Amendment, which made, which made black folks citizens of this country, or the 15th Amendment that gave them the right to vote. They didn't pass that legislation until 1959 and 1962, respectively. So that that gives our people an oath. They, they were they were complicit in playing games, and again, it was all about disenfranchising us, keeping us from having economic and political equality. Dr. Benjamin Mays in 1967, when he delivered his final charge to the graduate at Morehouse, said this, our problem in the future will not come from the rabid segregationists like George Wallace of Alabama, Barbers, Arkansas, Rawls Barnett of Mississippi, or Lester Maddox of Georgia. Dr. Mays said, our problem, young men, will come from the so-called progressive liberal whites who will wine and dine you in the swankers of hotels and sip tea with you. But they will refuse to share economic and political power with you. End of the quote. And that's what has happened here in the West. Why? Because though blacks, because of their abilities, their savvy, as Willie Brown, and even Dr. Weber, they have been able to excel because they were head and shoulders above the crowd. But their positions did not translate into economic and political power for the masses of black people. And that's the reason why the struggle goes on and we have to continue to fight. Let me go to another caller that just jumped on. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Caller, are you there? Your mic is open. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. What's your name, sister? Hey, thank you. Uh, my name is Ned. How are you all doing tonight? Great. Thank you, Brother Elliot, Brother Richard, and Dr. Amos. I appreciate Dr. Amos Brown. I apologize. I appreciate you taking the time um, to, to share your knowledge with us and your candor. Much appreciated. 
Um, I have one question in terms of um, the California um, task force and what's happening on California. As I'm going through the um, executive um, summary and I get to part 15, and I see um, you're, where you're asking for repair and um, to repair homes that were done, which is great. It's, it's, uh, I'm actually loving it. It is a five-page document that I do. And it's an interesting question that I had. I'm interested to know, has any of the industries in California responded to this summary? And what I mean is, has the um, the prisons have they responded to the summary? Because um, now they're they're on they're, they they've been warned or they've been informed, I should say. Same thing with um, the arts, because I see you all um, you all are also requesting repair in that area. Has any of the industries that are um, primarily out of California responded to um, your report as of yet? And if so, what are they saying? What is the feedback thus far? No, that that's been no official response. In fact. The task force on the 16th in Sacramento will have an official statement before the assembly. This was just the heads up of the preliminary report that was released to the public that you all have gotten privy to. Thank you so much. Thank you. Any, uh, since was that your only question? I have one other comment, Go ahead. and Go ahead. um, and 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 I appreciate, it and, and I'm not going to take up too much of your time. But as I was reading through this um, report, and I'm just looking at the harms that were done and what we're asking for, it really saddens me to learn and to just um, be reminded that we're not only asking for human rights and civil rights. We're asking to be human again. And after 400 and some odd years, we have been prevented from living as true human beings. I often say, you know, what is it to be an American? What is it to be free? I guess now and I have need to understand, and once we receive our repair, I'm not a California resident, but um, I'm in my state, or hopefully we, we get repair um, at the federal level, have I not been living or have we not been living as true human beings in this country? So that's something that I'm thinking on, and um, perhaps maybe I'm overthinking it. But I thank you all for the work that you've done as a task force, and I thank you for highlighting and elevating and bringing this in um, forward. And I, I just hope everyone looks at what California is doing, and as I stated earlier, that many states adopt, and hopefully we get this done at the federal level. And thank you again, and I'm ending. Now, sister, let me say this before you go, because you kind of asked the rhetorical question about have we not been living, have we not been living as full human beings? You know, if you look at our experiences here and the history that follows, we've not only been not living as full human beings, we've not really been recognized as citizens of this country. Now, black folks feel, and we talked about this on the program before, a lot of our people feel that they're citizens because they fought for this country, they died, they fought in wars, things of that nature. But Europeans, by and large, don't really recognize you as being a full citizen in this country. They just don't. So I just want to say that in reference to what you, uh, the comments that you made. Can I make one last comment? And thank you for that. Certainly. So um, we have been um, prevented from living as full humans and having access to full civil rights and living as citizens. But we've been resilient. We've yes. Um, yes. contributed a lot to this country, to the world. 
do we become superhumans <laughs> once we are allowed to live as humans? Have we not been able to tap into our true excellence as of yet? And once we are repaired, do we come back and do we just um, be our, not superiority over others, but in our own excellence, do we become a mighty being that's um, existing on this um, planet or on this earth? It remains to be seen, sister. <laughs> I understand clearly what you're saying. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you very much. Have a great night. All right. Good night. Richard? I, I wanted to follow up on um, Reverend Brown. Has it, though there's the official um, presentation to the legislators on the 16th, if I understood you right, has the press um, responded to the report, uh, the interim report, and <laughs> Has that been? Yeah, yes, yes. There's response. There's response. Including the town, the um, um, our main uh, paper here, the Chronicle. Mm. Okay. Uh, Reverend Brown, um, you know, I'm looking at some of the the, uh, the table of contents, and uh, I mean, it's really concise. Everything that you cover in in uh, uh, our ancestors' experiences there in the state of California. Um, let me come up to a period there that you're familiar with. Uh, the explosion that happened that killed, I think, over 200, maybe 300 of our ancestors, and San Tell about Port Chicago. Port Chicago, yes. Talk a little bit about that, uh, Reverend Brown. Well, it's about our being victims of situations that the government is complicit in. And uh, here again, because our value was not the same as other human beings, tried everything to do to ignore it or sweep it on the rug. And we did not get full recompense, compensation for that accident. So again, it's the devaluing of the people because of the color of our skin. And that devaluation has been so deep and far so too long. As I reminded members of the task force, Aristotle, one of the main fathers of Western thought, said back in the 4th century B.C., before Jesus of Nazareth was born, this is what he said, and you all can check it out in the politics. He said, the Ethiopian and the black man are inferior because of the color of our skin. The only way that we could become somebody or be respected as being human, we'd have to go up to Europe and become lighter. He also said, secondly, that we will never be capable of self-governance. We would always have to have a white man or a white woman over us. That was insulting. That was a devaluation of our Humanity, 
even the governor in France had similar despicable saying statement. Chamberlain and the verbiage has come out of former president of this nation gives great evidence that far too many in this nation are following him. And going to a place like Buffalo, New York, and just gunning down us simply because we are black. That's what that young man did. Very idea for him to be thinking, oh, we're going to be replaced by those folk. My God. We're in the minority. We're not the majority population. But for a kid to have that kind of idea says he has been radicalized and programmed and computerized by elders who are unfortunately racist don't see our humanity. Let's go to uh, 215. 215, question or comment for our guest? Good evening, Brother Elliot. Good evening, Brother Richard. Good evening, Reverend Brown. How are you doing tonight? Good evening. I'm to talk to you, Reverend Brown. Make a couple of comments. First, Brother Elliot, let me say this. The sister that I'm following... Very excellent questions that the sister raised a minute ago. I was very intrigued by what she was saying. Very intelligent conversation, very good questions, and good responses from y'all to the sister. You know, Reverend Brown, when you was making, I think when you first came on with Brother Ellen and Brother Richard, you mentioned about Obama, President Obama, when he first got inaugurated, or what and stuff, how Mitch McConnell got up there with his racist. Kentucky self got up there and said, "Well, we're gonna make sure he's a one-term president. We're gonna block everything he do." And that, and, I, and that's a given. That's a given. No question. McConnell's a filthy, stinking racist. That's without a doubt. But see, my problem with Obama is that him knowing that he knew that going in, he he wasn't even in office knowing what he was up against. Instead of him using his presidential um, a, a post as a bully for especially to move our people forward. He kept trying to reach across the aisle to races like Mitch McConnell and, and his ilk, and he was still keep kept getting slapped down. And I'm saying to myself, dude, what part you didn't understand? These people are not going to work with you. These are open races and stuff. McConnell might as well wore the Klan uniform on while he was while he's in the Senate. So Obama knew that, but he kept on reaching across the aisle and getting slapped and stuff. And, 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 and he could have did so much more for our people had he took the ball. My brother, yes, my sir. brother, hear the old man. You know what Willie Brown said? Yes, sir. You going into politics, old political process, you better know how to count. How to count. And you know what happened in that midterm election? Mm-hmm. After Mr. Obama, the grace of God through our initial support, was able to become president. Mm-hmm. You know what happened? We went to sleep in the I midterm agree. election, and we did not vote. 
and we lost the control of that Congress. So you can use a bullet, pull up a pit all you want. You can jump up and down, talk all you want to. But if you do not do the simple thing, your homies and friends, even though they don't want us to vote, but if you don't vote, you create your own baloney or your own demise. You know, in California alone right now, there's a quarter of a million black folks who are eligible to vote who are not even registered to vote. Same thing down in my home state of Mississippi. And, and Reverend Brown, let me say this to you. I, I agree with what you said to a certain degree. See, I vote myself, and I encourage, matter I worked the polls for five years, I encourage all my friends to vote in every election. But see, where the problem comes in that, see, our black politicians, they, 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 they don't make it easy for black people to vote. They discourage black people from voting. See, they're the part and partial why a lot of our young black people don't vote. They get, they, they get disillusioned. I'm, I still say they should vote, but I can understand why they don't vote. Like, like again, with President Obama, true, they, they, they lost the uh, Congress in the midterms. But prior to that, he had a chance where he could have did a whole lot of things before they lost control of that because he didn't lose control of the Congress Senate to 2010. So from 2008 to 2010, he could have did some things. Of course, once they lost the, the House and the Congress, you know what was, what was going to go down after that. The oftentimes, Reverend Brown— we don't take advantage of the situations that we that we do. Like for example, in San Francisco, you mentioned the thirty-five thousand dollars income that black people have out there. Now, see, I'm gonna see how the white boys are slick. Now, what they did, they made an issue about the crime, so they just got Chesco Dean recalled as a progressive district attorney. Now, he was a man that was trying to take an approach to say, well. Crime and poverty is related. So what he did, he said, I'm not going to take everything and lock every person up, especially people black. And so he said, I'm going to put programs in place where a, a man could get a second chance or a third chance. And so, so what, did, what did the white Republicans and even some of these so-called uh, conservative Democrats do? They ganged up on him and said he was soft on crime. And so n- n- not, not acknowledging the fact, Reverend Brown, that crime and poverty is rela- it's, it's definitely related. So you're talking about, well, you know, the crime's went up in, in San Francisco, even though you got a progressive DA, you got a, a female, a black female mayor, London Breeze was the first black woman to become mayor. So what they did, they printed a narrative that he saw on crime. So they got him recalled. But they, never did they focus on the fact that when you got people that's living below the poverty line, making $35,000 a year or less, of course you're going to have crime. And black people know different than anybody else. You know, with crime and, and hopelessness and despair, you're going to have that. Let's like the white community did back during the Al Capone days. You have poor white people that were shot out of the American mainstream. So black people know different than anybody else. But my point is, again, it's, like I said, black politicians, they, 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 they make it so hard for black people to want to come into the political arena because of, because of their actions and stuff. When they have a chance to, to do things for black people, they don't do it. So young black people say, look, I talk to black people here in Philadelphia, Reverend Brown. They tell me, they say, man, I'm not voting for them niggas. I'm sick of all of them. They don't do nothing for our people. They, don't, they get discouraged. They really do. My brother. My brother. Yeah, yeah, I'm Mr. Ben Graham, listen. Let me share this with you. The old Come, let us reason. Yeah. some ballot points at. But let me reason with you. I did not support the recall. 
of Mr. Bodine. I saw, I knew his virtue. Mm-hmm. One precinct that I know about, you had nearly 700 people registered to only 17, one seven. Over near the addition, where's the second number of blacks percentage wise in this town at that precinct at Third Baptist? Only 27 people turned out to vote. And what happened in that recall election is that the enemy was slick enough to know that you can easily do your dirt when the tide is down. That's why we got to always be vigilant. I agree. Be on top of, of things and never, never give up, but keep on fighting. So thank you for your comments. You wrote, got to tell the whole truth. Right. And Reverend Brown, let me say this in closing. I agree with what you're saying. We should vote. And like I said, I, I, I'm a 60-year-old black man. I always tell our young people to vote. Like I said, I worked the polls five years. But I understand the disillusionment for not voting. I, I can't I can't just jump on them. I got to meet them where they're at. Because I understand the disillusionment. Now, some of them coming around saying that the value of voting, especially in local elections and stuff like that. But I can understand the disillusionment for not voting because they see these black politicians constantly doing things that work against their interests. So I can understand this. I'm not going to beat them over the head because I understand where they're coming from. But you're right. I like the, and let me say this last thing, Chester Day, who happened to be white. I like the guy because like I thought he was taking a fair-minded approach just like Krasner here in Philadelphia. He's not a perfect, but I like a lot of things that Larry Krasner did here in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? And I, and I definitely didn't doubt uh, Reverend Brown, the enemy, the white enemy out there they ganged up and got the Mary Carr because they see he was trying to be a fair and equitable person when it came to justice. I agree with that. So thanks, Brother Elliot and Brother Rich, for letting me express myself, putting me on mute. And Reverend Brown, again, we're not really disagreeing. We just maybe semantics here and there, but I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying and everything. So we really not disagreeing. We may have some disagreements here and there, but we're not being disagreeable. That's all I'm saying. Thank you, sir. All right, my brother. Thank you you're so welcome. much. You're welcome. All right. Uh, let's go. Call up. What's your name? Where you calling from? Your mic is open. This Call- for me? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure I'm calling from. I'm, I'm calling from the from the ghetto. That's what I'm calling from. Hey, listen. Let me ask you a question, Reverend. What What's the um average age of the commission? Because I'm looking through the commission, and um, you can't. You know, only a couple of people, including you, you can find on Wiki. The rest of these people names you can't find on wiki and i don't have time to go through each one so what's the age do you, do you have any young people on there that might have a little yeah, different mindset in san francisco yes young people it's very much intergenerational what what you call you know, young i'm talking about like 30 20 early 30s late that, 20s. that's what i'm talking about oh you have them on there and they have a they play a big role in this my brother, because, we don't exclude anybody. No, I actually do. They play. See, respectfully, I'm not going to be one of these to come on. No disrespect to the last couple of callers, but I, I just want to get to the meet and greet because I'm out here in the hood every day dealing with mental illness, 
poverty and um, a bunch of things. So I just want to get straight to it. Do they have a big role in this? Because the part of my problem is it's the same old church, God, old people. We got to work together, interracial, intergenerational, ah, blah, 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 blah. Same old, same old. When they recalled the guy, you you know who was a big part of that recall? The Asian. You know who else was a big part of that recall? Sachs, who put that money into that, is an immigrant. See, these are things that ain't going to get talked about. And the resistance y'all going to run in are them same two groups of people I just talked about. A cat that's worth nine digits and immigrants. And how are you going to counter that? That's what? That's my question. Hey, let me, my, my brother, you raise a question. Would you let me answer? Would you let me answer? I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. What you're saying about the Asians, I'm very much aware of that, and I fought it. I told them about themselves, too. And I know about this right-wing money. And I'm also... Respectfully, you call it. Wait, 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 wait. Let him answer. No, no, no. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. We hold, hold, hold it. Hold it. We're not going to do. Let the man answer the question, and then you can. I'll let you ask anything you want, but you got to be respectful. Go ahead, Reverend Brown. I'm about to say, I'm aware of what the opposition did, but this does not excuse the fact. Realize it. I was out there beating the paper. Mr. Bodine spoke in my pulpit. In fact, he 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 was on Mother's Day. See, his mother died around the time of this election. But on Mother's Day, you can check our live stream. He spoke in the pulpit of Third Baptist Church. But that does not excuse the fact that in our community where we could have turned out in large numbers and offset that evil force, my brother, that you spoke about, this is a continuous fight. Now, I don't say this is a put-down for you, but at the age of 14 down in Jackson, Mississippi, in the wake of that unfortunate lynching of Emmett Till, I organized the first youth council of NACP in the state of Mississippi. And I've been on this battlefield and I haven't gotten tired after 85 years old, going on 80, 80 I hope to make 85, but I'm 81. So, so don't, don't let, let us not give up, throw by. We have to keep fighting and never let go. And we don't need to do friendly fire against each other. Got to be kind to each other. (laughs) And stay on the point of knowing who the real enemy is and how we got to be eternally vigilant. So let's get rid of it. For 2024. Well, we don't. We're going to end up with a fascist state. 
And in that fascist state, even to have the opportunity of freedom to express oneself as you have done won't be. Read Gibbon's book, The Rise and Fall of the Roman Empire. And you will discover some eerie parallels of the state of Rome before it fell <laughs> that are happening in America right now. Yep. So be strong, my brother. Let's stay in touch, communicate with each other. Hello? Realize that we got to fight together. Hello? All right, bro. Hello? They cut me off then. No, nobody cut you off. Hello? Do, do you have any other questions? Oh, well, then let me let me say this. Let me, well, I asked a question, but you, you start talking about reading about Rome. I, I, well, I did take a class Western civilization, but I guess that doesn't that, that doesn't count. So we'll move on because you you're smarter than me. And what I what I like is different. Call, I like listening and calling different shows with different opinions within the community, and that's part of the problem. I'm already out here in the street. Like y'all can't you, you y'all talk with the friendly fire and the Republicans using that spit. I'm not going with that no more. Thirty years I ain't went with it. The guy who did what he did is a Democrat. He's not a right-wing Republican. And so what if this country fails? I just told you where I'm at with it. I don't okay. care. Well, if you don't, listen, brother, if you I'm don't. I'm already in a bad if spot, you, and if, y'all don't if, care about people who are in bad spots. What are you talking about y'all, y'all don't, don't care? Do where do you think I'm from? Where do you think I'm from? Where do you think I'm from? Fuck all of y'all. Okay, all right. I mean, Richard. Come on, man. Come on. Where do you, where we live on Mars? We ain't from the street. We don't live in the hood. The only way we're going to fight this stuff is to organize. We got to organize. The, the, thing, the thing that gets me is that here we are talking about a commission that's putting together the, the um, effort to deal with a solution called reparations, right? And all we can come up with is what is being done to us by somebody, whether they're close to us institutionally or whether they're a little further away by some other. But that's the only thing we could come up with. We can't, and we're, we're talking about repair and giving solution, could give solutions proposals or even looking at what they're doing in California but what comes up is what is not being done I just can't the problem Sister Francis Cresswell didn't say you either deal with problem identification or problem resolution I get I get noid noid um, not just here where all the time our effort and it goes to what Reverend Brown says from an organizing perspective, it's always about problem identification. Like that is the basis of organizing. I thought you organized to solve a problem. Well, Richard, listen, that's why I mentioned in the beginning <clears throat> when I congratulated Reverend Brown and what he's doing, the damage that our people have suffered in this system of white supremacy, the, the centuries of enslavement, the over hundred years of Jim Crow and the oppression that we still face have caused all types of trauma, self-doubt, low self-esteem. You ain't doing nothing. 
the fear of trying to organize and do something about it, the self-hate, all of this stuff. This is trauma being, 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 being played out in some of our people. We got to organize and fight this stuff. If you're in the street, then organize. Talking about I'm here out alone in the street. No, like you're going to do something alone. You're going to perish <laughs> alone. You're going to perish alone. You got to organize. Let me let me grab another call, Reverend Brown. Let's go to Toronto, 647. Toronto, are you there? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, uh, Reverend Brown, do you remember a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Robert Brock? I'm looking at an article from the Los Angeles Times that said reparations sought for black Americans, slavery. Uh, activists says the government should compensate descendants of captured Afri- Africans enslaved in America for, quote, loss of culture and of his humanity, end of quote. Did you ever work with uh, Mr. Brock? I'm not sure that I know Mr. Brock. He no longer in the land of the living. This article was in uh, uh, 1990. Are you in Northern California or Southern California? San Francisco is in Northern California. Oh, Mr. All right, Mr. Brock was was in, in Los Angeles, and he had an organization called the Self Determination Committee. And he called for reparations, and he also called for uh, as long as, until we got Africans Africans in America receive reparations, we should not pay taxes or fight, uh, you know, go to any any wars. And uh, uh, he had a lot of people that you know went on trial, and some people were uh, uh, changed their stories, and then some people. Uh, went all the way and were convicted and get, and were given uh, five years in prison and uh, uh, $5,000 fines. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other comment or question, uh, Brown? No, sir. Thank you for your contribution, as always. Thank you. All right. Let's go to 505 in Albuquerque. 505? Yeah, I'm I'm here listening. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know where to start here, but you got to keep struggling. That's all I did. I'm 81 years old, too. And uh, I don't see no light at the end of the tunnel, but you got to keep pushing. And I, as usual, I tuned in late because I keep getting the time difference messed up. I'm not familiar with Reverend Brown's. He wrote a book or a pamphlet or something. I, 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 I No, he's the vice chair of the, the California uh, reparations uh, task force. Okay. Now he, did he write some kind of paper or something? Uh, I'm not familiar. The, ta- I the task force. That- yeah. The task force put, uh, uh, put out, published a 500 page document in reference to, uh, 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 you know, our call for reparations. Okay, and it's under the leadership of Reverend Brown. I can find that under under his name. Reverend Brown? Yes. 
Uh, I think the caller had a question. All, he, all he has to do is, is that, that's Google, California State, Reparations. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'll see everything. Okay, thank you. All Good right. show. Thank you for your call, brother. Let's go thank to three, 347. 347. Yes, good evening, Richard and Elliot, and to your guests. Uh, first of all, Richard and Elliot, I would like to say that your last caller on Friday was quite entertaining. Um, I know this is not a time Do you have a question for our guests? But I do have a question for uh, Reverend Brown. Reverend Brown, let me ask you this. Based on the so-called passing of this reparation bill, what should black people expect from it? What we outlined earlier is that there are areas that are very vital to the welfare of African Americans whose ancestors are descendants of enslaved persons that we will be pushing for erection, a payment for the harms that we identified. In areas of education, health, housing, etc. And I would suggest that you get a copy of the document. Okay, now, now, you expect the legislation leaders of California to fulfill your request for these things that you just spoke about. And my follow-up question is, based on I know when they talk about reparations in this country, in order for it to be given in all of the states of this country, it would basically have to be approved by the Senate, and I don't think it's going to happen. But based on what you say in California, do you have the policy makers and the elected officials that will sign off on anything that your organization in cahoots with other organizations in California, we're not talking about the whole United States, but in California come together to make it do what they do. And if you, and if they do say no, do you have anything in place to put pressure on them for them to say yes? Because that's the key. What's, what pressure do you have in place to make them do what you want them to do? Other than you wait and see. My brother, wait and see. Wait and oh, see. Oh, come on, man. That's, a, that's, not a, stay, that's not a proper answer, right? Let's stay, stay, stay with them. We take one step at a time. Okay. So, so basically, the one, step, the one step is that you went to the daddy. The daddy told you that we'll take into consideration of what you're saying, and from there, we'll appease you. And now no. when it comes down no, to no, give no, something, we don't Did you hear what the man just said? No, not at all, what you were saying. And, and we are fighting. Kids, and, 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 what, and, what, and what do you mean, go to the daddy? See, that's the problem. 
Who is your daddy? Who is your daddy? He's your daddy? Is he your dad? Is he your daddy? Is he is he your daddy? See, that's the problem. See, you don't listen. I just pointed out in the beginning of this program the 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 uh effects of trauma that are acted out in black people. To make it seem like we in the position to make white people in this country do anything. It doesn't matter whether we listen listen here, let me help you with something. Let me help you with something. Even, even if you, even if these folks don't do anything, I'm talking about these white folks, whether they're liberal or conservative. Even if they don't do anything, you don't think the collective gathering of our people together to make a demand on these people is important? Do you think that's important? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes or no? I don't need no soliloquy. Yes or no? Do you think it's important? No, sir. You said no? I said no. Oh, okay. Well, then the conversation is over. Thanks for your call, brother. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, and it it, it gets me. I mean, and I hear, you know, Reverend Brown, I hear (laughs) this. I hear this, and, and and it's more intense in the next generation that's coming in front of us. And I think you use, you're using, and and some of us use the voting as the measure of our collective organizing amongst ourselves, right? Regardless whether we win or lose, it's how effective we organize amongst ourselves, which is the the, the measure that we should be. Exactly. That's that. You could, you could say it better than me, Richard. You know, and, and, but what I hear is that we got to have a boogeyman to go to, to, to organize amongst ourselves. We got to have that somebody is stronger than us to organize at the same time saying we are a disorganized people. Now, I don't understand why I don't understand the thinking that goes to that. No, let me stop. And, and I apologize to you, Reverend, Reverend Brown, and to the Time for Waking audience, because you know, it, it just, as you review history, um, we were in, in Reverend Brown, uh, in a group um, was in, we, we dealt with um, David Walker. That's the image that comes to my mind in the David Walker appeal. And he gives the example of the, um, in, the enslaved person who was sent to, to purchase other enslaved people. And as he was moving, he actually, they actually broke away and they didn't kill the person who was sent to purchase them. But the important thing to me was, and I've seen it again in other, other incidents on um, the um, slave, on a, on a, uh, on a slave ship. It was another person. And the only reason why I'm, I'm resistant of saying the gender, right? Because I don't want to make it a gender thing, but another person who was the captive, who was being sent to be enslaved, who helped the person who was another enslaved person to purchase them so that they can take them back to be enslaved. She helped re- revive him so he can go back to the enslaver, and then they captured all of those who broke away. And sometimes I hear us speaking like we are that person who is aiding and abetting our own enslavement. Yes. Oh, boy. And it's real. 
I, I apologize. Go ahead, finish your thought, Rich. No, no, I, I just, I, I, you know, I think that 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 was the punctuated point in the last few callers, um, because to me, reparations, as reparations, is the new civil rights movement for me, and and it has had many generations up to this point, and what Reverend Brown and the commission is representing is uh, one, an, uh, as he said, an intergenerational point, but it's not about what we're going to get is about what we need to do and what we need to do is self-organize. Yes. That's what it's about. And and it seems that, you know, that we need to have these boogeyman or we need to demonstrate our fear of what the other won't do for us to self-organize. We can't engage ourselves in a conversation about ourselves around anything that deals with self-organizing unless we are degrading each other of why we can't self-organize or why. And the history has shown and Reverend Brown, I mean, you, you, I mean, I didn't know you said you at 14 uh, after Emmett Till's, um, um, you know, demise, you were organizing at that point. But I hear people now talking about where they live in and the condition they living in not what they're organizing. If all of us were organizing, our condition would be, we would, it wouldn't matter whether somebody uh, repaired us or not. We would be repairing ourselves. Maybe I'm idealistic. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm living in a la-la land. But that's what it seems like to me. And that's what it's about. Let's go to uh, 469. 469? Hello, how are you all doing today? Great, great. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. Um, and and respectful of the two of you all and also uh, Reverend Brown, I would like to say uh, something more than commenting. I would just like to say something for the listening audience. You have an option. This man is out here working, and he's working hard. You don't write a 500-page document without a lot of time, effort, pain, and a lot of pain and loss of sleep. Yes. If you feel as though his, his efforts is not to your liking, you always have an option to create another solution and organize a group who think along your line, but don't undermine or talk down to someone who's putting forth the effort. It's easy to talk about someone and say what is not going to happen. And this person is, is not doing this. So they should include that or this, that, and the other, you know, None of us, we've been struggling for a long time. We've made great progress. We still have a lot, a long way to go. People never thought that we would get out of slavery, but we did. You know, we got a black president. Whether you are satisfied with the job he performed or not, we did that. 
just that in and of itself caused a lot of people, made a lot of sacrifices, spent a lot of time, shed a lot of tears for that to happen. So in concluding, what I would like to say to the listening audience, let's be positive with one another. No, you may not necessarily agree with someone. There's things that I did five years ago that I don't agree with today. We're constantly growing. If you're not evolving, then you're you're basically dead. So mm-hmm. concluding, let's not talk about people and what they're trying to do. If you don't agree, fine. You have that, that's your decision. But if you, and if you do, don't get on the telephone or the, uh, where everyone, people can listen in and just monitor our disorient, our, our disorganization with one another. Take it in the back room. If you don't believe in it, then create that organization that will address those problems or join an organization that work more or less along your philosophy. So that's all I have to say. Thank you for allowing me to express myself. Brother, thank you for your contribution. Thank you. Uh, Reverend Brown, uh, before we yes, let sir. you, before we let you go, cause I, I noted you, cause I, I see that you driving there. So your family, I know they want you to, uh, kind of get involved with them again, before I let you go. Uh, you mentioned about some of the town hall meetings. Uh, a lot of the things going to be taken straight to the public. Uh, into the neighborhoods. Uh, I'd like you to come back a couple of months from now or whatever and let us know about some of the things that, that are transpiring, what's, what's been going on, and just keep us abreast. We'll be delighted to. Just call, and I'll be stationary next time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, you know, like I, I might be over-exaggerating an organizer's role, right, and, you know, but they we, they have to be always in motion, right? Yes. I mean, not not only for the work that they do, but but yes. for the people that's on their back, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, yeah. Reverend Brown. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All, All right. right. All right. Take you. We gonna All go. You obviously. All, All right. right. We gonna come right back and close out. That we gonna take a brief break and then we'll close out. Richard on time for an awakening media part of the black talk radio network for podcasting or live program scheduling hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com 
All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years. Located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services. Representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies. Offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 215 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Comets U Black family, to join your interconnected Comets U Black communities, escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color, and that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country 
by this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that hide behind it. I'm an American. Ladies and gentlemen, these death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years. this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. 
part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. <clears throat> Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 9-10 here in the city of Philadelphia and the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. I want to thank our special guest that spent some time with us, activist, organizer, and vice chair of the California Reparations Task Force, uh, Dr. Amos Brown. Uh, Brother Richard. Yes, sir. Uh, before we wind things down, man, uh, you know, <clears throat> it's important uh, that me and you, you know, what we do is bring bring folks on here from all over the country that is interested in the welfare, the stability, and the freedom of our people. And a lot of them have blueprints and ways to organize. And we've been just thankful that the people that we've had on are not only just talking about these things, they're organizing. They have a track record. They're showing something that they're doing. It's important that, uh, you know, Reverend Brown talked about the, the, the book about the fall of Rome. Mm-hmm. We can see the handwriting on the wall for the society. You you even hear white folks talking about our democracy is in trouble. You heard it, right, Richard? Yeah. That's so, what this January 6th hearing is about, right? And would, I mean, you know, and some black folks repeat the same thing. Our democracy is in trouble. So if you see this place that you've been living in and being oppressed in is in trouble, what do you do as black folks? Now, some of our people are trying to help bolster it. You see it all the time. Others are trying to organize to save our babies, our people. That's the key. If I see a flood happening or coming my way, and I know it is, and I sit and look and I see you and 10 other people trying to build a raft, and I look and say, oh, Richard, I don't think you're doing it right. Uh, that might not float, but and I'm just sitting there looking. I'm part of the problem, and I'm not part of the solution. I think that we have to get involved in something in our communities. to help in reference to the struggle that we're in. We see this system destroying our people. And we would, I mean, what do we do, Richard? Just sit back and, and uh, just point out the deficiencies. We already know what the problem is. What's the solutions? Am I a part of the solution? Or am I just reacting to a problem? And and I have to add, Elliot, and if you are part of the solution, that don't mean that's the only one. Exactly. So you can't speak from the perspective like your solution is compared to someone else's. Then it becomes, well, how can we support each other in our solution if our ultimate goal is to save our people? And if that ain't the ultimate goal, then you're about something else. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. Uh, listen, if uh, if somebody has a, a better widget or whatever blueprint template to do that, then we should table uh, what we're talking about and join in with something else. 
because it's all about the same gold. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I'm just looking at uh, Reverend Brown, who who spent some time with us. Now he's on that commission, Richard. Said he'd been fighting since he'd been 14. Or organizing. Well, when you organize, you're fighting. Since he'd been 14. He's 81. And it's a sister on that commission. I believe, I believe if you look, I, I, I see her as Mailer. You know, me following Clubhouse. Mailer X might be Mealy. I don't know if that's a real name. But she's like 27. She's in her 20s. So when he said it was an intergenerational and and she's linked up that I know that I listen to others who within that age range between 20 and 30, particularly. Oh, but I mean, you- listen, I understand that. It's, it's plenty of people involved in that network. Mm-hmm. One of our guests that was on uh, uh, prior to. Uh, Reverend Brown being on that turned me on to Reverend Brown is a part of that network. It's people out there working. Uh, Reverend Brown is eighty one, Richard. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's. It, listen, I don't know who the Almighty going to spare, how long they're going to be here, but if things go according to uh, just the chronological age, he might not be around to see. So, who is he fighting for, Richard? Mm. Is he fighting for himself? Mm. Who who is he, Richard? Who is he fighting for? He might be fighting for the same brother that said, "I'm out here in the streets. I'm a young man fighting." You think that's who he's fighting for, Richard? Yeah, I, it's gotta be. If he's, you know, fighting for for our for our own liberation. You see what he said when he opened. He used the Reverend, was that that Sherman, th- those ministers? Yeah, and uh, it, <laughs> man, he almost they, read my mind. He, he used them as the example. And what did he say? We would rather um, be amongst ourselves. And 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 I have to do this, Elliot. It was even when they, even when Johnson took back and all the forty acres. Did that stop black folks from creating and organizing? To their own self-interest? I have to say this. Hell no. Because that's what brought the red coats, the red sheet, the red shirts, the Klan. Because of the effectiveness, even though the federal and state lawmakers, owners of land, went against them. That did not stop them from organizing in their own self-interest. Yeah, they didn't give up. Exactly. That's why I'm like, it takes me off the Rector scale when I hear. I don't have no problem with constructive criticism. I don't have no problem with adding to. I have a problem when you can't discern when you provide the perspective that you provide. Because the same perspective is not applicable, applicable every time. When it gets to that, then it ain't a perspective. It's a it's a, a narrow focus rhetoric that is not conducive to developing any kind of 
strategic understanding or thinking for individuals or groups. It's like propaganda or like marketing. They telling you the same thing over and over, trying to get you to get something you don't want. But if we were, we're to, to develop a people to be able to organize for power in our own self-interest, then we, especially as Reverend Brown says, as the report brings out in California, using California, and others have said it, especially when the oppression we've been under have made us ill. We cannot walk around acting like we're a healthy individual or a healthy people trying to get power in a place that wants to us to be remain powerless. We can't do that. We got to do working while healing. That makes more sense. Yeah. You know, I looked at the, uh, with the, uh, Bill Otis just put in the chat room, the sister that you were talking about. Mm. Oh, did you see it? No, not yet. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at her because there's several young people that's on that commission and people that contributors. When you read, look at all that list of contributors, Richard. Mm-hmm. You saw it. You saw the list of contributors. Yeah. 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 Several, of the, several of the contributors have been on this program. And a lot of the young people there are lawyers or in law school, similar to, and I'm thinking about Sister Brianna that's here in Philadelphia, that's the female coachee of the Encoba chapter here. You need our people that's going to, that can educate themselves, that are educated. And when I say educated, I don't want people to misconstrue that I'm talking about going to college. Mm -hmm. Educate yourself. Malcolm didn't go to college. And he was just as educated as any of ever any leader that we ever had in this country. You got to be up on history, up on your struggle. Know who the enemy is. You heard Reverend Brown talking about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear him coming on here talking about kumbaya and, and, and love everybody. You, did, did you hear him saying that, Richard? No. No. That's why I, 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 I but we 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 you know as uh, uh, Luta's continuum, the struggle continues. Yes, exactly. The struggle continues, and maybe some of us will learn not to struggle so much with one another, especially when we had, at, 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 listen. It's different if you got somebody going in the opposite direction. A Clarence Thomas or somebody in that ilk is different if you're talking. But when you're talking about people with the same goal of our people being free, being a respected people again, you you come on, stop this. Understand that you might be part of the problem and not part of the solution. Before we wind up this evening, let me get blind up on time for an awakening media. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. African Perspectives. With Brother Oshi, always interesting dialogue and guests on African Perspectives. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Later on Monday evenings, Black Therapy Central with host Dr. Mouir Kambon 
Dr. Kamal Kamban, that's 8 to 9 and 9 to 10. Conversation Reparation, that's in Colbert program, the first and third Mondays of the month with host Brother Jamoke on Tuesday, 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday, it's our time, the Black Farmers Program from 8 to 9 and from 9 to 10, Black Agenda Report with host Dr. David Muhammad on Friday's time for an awakening is back from 8 until and on Saturdays from 7 to 9 p.m. The Elders of Sankofa with Brother Afonso Watkins as host. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. We'll be back. Brother Ellie. Yes. Look, I want to throw this in. Excellent program tonight, but I want to say this. Too many people, and I'm old, I'm 68, uh, too many people want to wait until the battle begins to get prepared. What you're telling them is what people used to tell me growing up. You have to do the prep work in order Hmm. to be ready when opportunity presents itself. It's not a question of whether or not the daddy or somebody is going to let us. The question is, have we done the work? That's why I put up the background on Kamala Moore. She's been doing the work for decades before she ever got there. So she was qualified for what she's doing. Appreciate it. Keep doing the work, my brothers. Thank you for your contribution. Again, I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Children to save the children.